from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. It's really not about, you know, law-abiding citizens who uh, respect the Second Amendment. It's really about um, police departments and communities' ability uh, to keep guns out of the hands of uh, people who uh, may commit crimes and um, are committing crimes. I'm Sarah Fenske. In the flurry of bills passed in the final days of the 2021 Missouri legislative session last week, one bill stands out as particularly curious. It's called the Second Amendment Preservation Act, and it holds that no law that tracks or registers firearms in Missouri can be valid, nor can any law that prohibits or restricts firearm sales to law-abiding citizens. It nullifies federal law if it conflicts with state gun rights, and it even holds that local law enforcement could be subject to fines of up to $50,000 if they seek to enforce gun laws. Both the Missouri House and the Missouri Senate gave their approval to House Bill 85. It now sits on Governor Mike Parson's desk. And among those waiting to see what comes next is St. Louis's interim public safety director, Dan Isom. He is the former St. Louis police chief and came back to hold the public safety director post on an interim basis under Mayor Tashara Jones. And he joins us today. So interim director Dan Isom, welcome. Thank you for having me today. So House Bill 85, the Second Amendment Preservation Act, it seemed like one of those things that couldn't possibly pass until in the final hours of the session, it passed. Was it on your radar for a while before that? Yeah, this has been on my radar for for some time, even before taking this position. As you might know, and many of the listeners might know, there's a, a national wave of this type of legislation uh, going across the United States, and um, it's it's really distressing for uh, communities of color and urban neighborhoods ho- that are dealing with an epidemic of gun violence in their communities. And it's really not about you know law-abiding citizens who uh, respect the Second Amendment. It's really about um, police departments and communities' ability. Uh, to keep the hands, guns out of the hands of uh, people who uh, may commit crimes and um, are committing crimes uh, in urban areas. So, uh, you know, right now, federal prosecutors frequently bring gun cases against people arrested by St. Louis City Police using these very laws that this now says would be invalid. How important a tool are some of those federal uh, gun laws for men and, and women in the St. Louis Police Department? Well, you know, the the first uh, priority uh, for, for law enforcement, of course, uh, within a state is to work through the local prosecutor. Um, and so um, that is is the the first entity in terms of prosecution that we go to. Mm-hmm. But as you might imagine, um, usually there is a partnership between both the state and the federal agencies. And because of um, the different structure of laws, um, you know, those entities get together and decide what's the best course of action to deal with a particular case. And mm-hmm. so um, it, it really takes... The, the whole system and the community working together to 
both prevent um, gun violence, but also to hold people accountable who commit it. And so, yes, um, the federal um, system is a uh, effective tool in trying to uh, both deter, but also to um, prevent future violence. Mm-hmm. And then there's also this part of this law, which is, it, it just, I think, seems very strange to a lot of people outside the Missouri legislature, that police departments could face sizable fines if they go around enforcing gun laws. How concerned are you about the idea that the St. Louis Police Department could be on the hook for, for $50,000 just for enforcing a, a gun law? You know, that is the most distressing part of this entire uh, legislation and and this, you know, wave of legislation that's going on across the country. Um, You know, first of all, we we have communities that are are in crises, and so that's the most important thing. But um, officers take an oath uh, to uphold and enforce the laws, not only of their municipality, but the state and also the United States. And so what you're really asking uh, police officers and police departments to do is to ignore laws that they have taken an oath to enforce. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's really counter to certainly the community, it's counter to law enforcement officers, and, you know, in particular, both have been dealing with a lot of stress during this pandemic, uh, and, you know, to put one more burden on the back of the community um, and on the backs of law enforcement, I just think is really misplaced. Hmm. So there's one important point we should raise here. We actually had a caller, uh, Jay from Normandy, who wanted me to ask you this, and I think this is a really good question. Isn't this bill illegal? There's a lot of talk from experts that that there's no way this can pass constitutional muster. Uh, Do you think this will end up getting struck down by the courts? Well, there are different parts that are potentially illegal. Um, Certainly, um, you know, state law cannot um, prevent um, federal agents from enforcing federal laws anywhere in the United States. Mm -hmm. That seems Uh, pretty clear cut. That's pretty clear cut. (laughs) So this law has no bearing on federal law enforcement. But it's unclear whether or not um, local law enforcement can be barred from using sort of state or local money to enforce federal laws okay. um, or to um, uh, provide information to uh, federal agencies um, about um, gun crimes that have happened within, you know, the state of Missouri. Now, certainly they could obtain that um, information ultimately probably through some legal means but as you might imagine, if you have to go and get a subpoena or some kind of court order to get that type of information, it slows the process down. And so, you know, communities can't wait uh, to hold someone accountable who um, is committing acts of violence in their community. Mm-hmm. And so to slow that process of down of, of protecting the community, um, when it's really ultimately unnecessary and the information will flow at some point in time anyway, um, is is really doing disservice to, to our communities. So it sounds like you think part of this has a very good chance of getting struck down, but other parts might, might be allowed to stand, and it sounds like that could have a, a real tough effect on the officers working for the St. Louis Police Department. Uh, that could have a dramatic effect on... Uh, 
law enforcement ability to work with each other around gun crimes um, in the state of Missouri. Um, it could potentially wall off the efforts of local off law enforcement with federal agents uh, related to gun crimes. Mm. So we let our listeners know we'd be talking about this today. Sarah writes on our St. Louis on the Air Facebook page, I'm just here to point out that the same politicians who absolutely lost it over calls to defund the police are, in fact, trying to defund the police with this pandering nonsense. And she's referring there to those $50,000 fines. Do you think she, she makes a point there? Well, it, it's certainly... Um I think it even goes uh, further than that. Um, you know, I hate the word defund the police. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I'd like to say that even those people, even if you disagree with them, are thinking about um, placing those funds into other areas that may impact violence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, victim advocacy, uh, interrupter programs, um, community outreach, all in an effort to make communities safer, um, to reduce gun violence. And so even if you say that these efforts are not to put constraints on officers, it's to fund other areas that might have a potential impact on public safety, on reducing crime, on, um, you know, reducing violence. And so I, I actually think this is even worse <laughs> because it actually does uh, put constraints on on officers, um, you know, diverting funds to other initiatives that might help lower crime is not putting handcuffs on officers. It's just having multiple strategies to deal with violence. Mm-hmm. But this would literally take money out of the department and, and give it to apparently somebody who'd be suing them or a, a private party. Absolutely. Okay. So, Director Isom, you became the St. Louis police chief back in 2008, and, and you served in that role for, for several years. How big an impact have looser state gun laws had since that time? Have, have they had on the city and the violent crime here? Well, you know, you know, it's hard to say in Missouri because even when I was chief, um, there had certainly been um, changes in the law that relaxed the ability for people to not only purchase uh, weapons, but, um, you know, actively carry them either in their car or on their person. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it certainly has become even more laxed over time. And there is more of an awareness throughout the community. Um, I think early on, people were not necessarily aware and comfortable with, um, you know, possessing a weapon because they weren't sure if they were legally capable of doing so. Um, It's pretty well known now um, how, um, you know, easy it is to, to purchase a weapon in Missouri and also to carry one. And so I think that is is the real big difference is that there is such awareness of the ability to do it now. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So this House Bill 85, you obviously have some big concerns about this. There was apparently a similar bill that went years ago to then-Governor Jay Nixon. He vetoed it. Do you have any hope that Governor Mike Parson will do that with this one? Well, I would hope so. Um, I think uh, the governor, his former law enforcement um, he he understands that uh, when we work with the federal government, 
is not to infringe on the constitutional rights of law-abiding citizens. It's really an effort to uh, try to hold people accountable who are, um, you know, committing acts of violence in, in our community. And I think that's what it's structured towards, not simply a person who is, you know, um, unfortunately maybe caught with a weapon and, and not involved in any criminal activity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I hope he, w- he would look at it and, and say this is not necessary, um, that the protections are in place for people who um, want to legally possess weapons. And this would just really be a, another um, roadblock for communities and police departments to uh, protect citizens. Well, St. Louis Interim Public Safety Director Dan Isom, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.